Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. I'm Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Oh, yeah, brother. That's right. Mark on with the racist Hulk Hogan there. Uh, also with us, Lavender Gooms himself. Oh, yeah. Look here, Mean Gene. Oh, that was not bad. Mike, you got a decent macho man. <laughs> See, it's I, I was, amazing radio. <laughs> I going for macho. Oh, no. Rises to the top. Yo, guys. Um, I And the beat goes on. Rest in peace to the one and only Mean Gene Okerlund. Um, passed away this past week. Um, by the way, we have no kid presentable here. Uh, late scratch, but hopefully he's with us next week. Uh, but he gave us... His votes, and when I'm talking about votes, I'm talking about the 2018 It's Amazing Year-End Awards. That's right, folks. I'll be honest with you. My plan was to play some of Macho Man's theme right now, Pomp and Circumstance, but Windows Update took about 45 minutes, and I totally forgot. So here we are, and I'm not good enough at this to edit this into the background. So What uh, <laughs> what famous uh, Mean Gene interview do you think uh, Steph would have done spontaneously like we did? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think the most famous ones are what he did with Macho and Hulk. So the Ric Flair one is pretty good, too. Mean by God, Gene. When Ric Flair wins the belt and he says, with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment of my life. Guys, I could do this all day. I, I love me some old school uh, pro wrestling. Um, and as you know, half this podcast is wrestling talk. So stay tuned for the end to the end because me and Mark... Um, this was the first time we watched uh, a, at least for me at least, a New Japan pay-per-view. Like the whole thing. Um, Mark and I watched Did the- Did you watch it live? No, we couldn't do that. No. It was fucked up time, Mike. It started at like midnight Pacific time, Thursday night. So if it was Friday night, maybe. But like Thursday night, we had to go to work. Um, but yeah, we watched Wrestle Kingdom 13. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But as I mentioned- this is the It's I'm Amazing 2018 Year-End Awards. Um, we got some breaking news. Uh, Marcus, uh, Rose Namayunas is actually going to defend that belt of hers. Huh? Yeah, about yeah. time. Uh, yeah, honestly, you know, in a world where everybody's shit, where they're trying to complain that Woodley's not defending his belt fast enough, Rose hasn't fought since April, and she's going to defend against Jessica Andrade in Brazil in May. I would not have agreed to that fight in May in Brazil. Just saying. I wouldn't have agreed to that fight at all. <laughs> well, you got to defend. You got to defend the belt. But I'm just saying, yeah, I, I don't want to go to Brazil right now. Been, I would have been ducking and dodging like like Neo from the Matrix, man. I mean, it's this, it's January and she had the last fought in April. So the only thing I saw Rose uh, do in the last like eight months is I w- was on YouTube. And then there was a video recommendation where, Ro- where Rose talks about juicing weed. And I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you're just wasting weed. Um, anyway, um, that's a tough matchup, Marcus. Jokes aside, 
That's no, uh, it, that's a yeah, big one. But mm. I also thought um, Joanna was a tough matchup for it too, and she obliterated that thought. So now I'm on. I'm fully on board the Rose train. I'm in the bar cart. I'm getting my drinks ready. <laughs> exactly. But no, in all honesty, Jessica is a really tough out for her, and it's a really exciting matchup. You know, um, it's another tough, stern test for her. But she did so well against Joanna. Um, first and second time you know uh so i i really have a lot of confidence in her it's gonna be a tough fight it, and one definitely look forward to so we'll be breaking that down i'm sure in the months to come yeah um let's get into it we know we we, we know that ufc 232 uh was last card to happen we haven't got a chance to talk to you guys since then um given the fact that we're giving out awards and given some of the results there'll be a real opportunity for us to address what happened um in what was a crazy but ultimately pretty entertaining card. Crazy really for the lead up and how the UFC fucked over 20,000 fans and a bunch of fighters just for John Jones. Just true. But we did get to break that part down. So we That's really true. hit the most important things besides the actual results, but the really the most important thing that happened we're going to talk about at the year end awards because yeah, I mean, it made headlines. So Exactly. Um and our champion for the picks for 2018 Stefan uh, is not here because he was he could gloat, man, because he won in a hell of a way. Um, and yeah, and I'll just say because it's too close for you guys. It's it's too hard to give him credit. So me being in the back, I'll give him credit because he won it off the um, Amanda Nunes with us uh, uh, beating Cyborg, which was the big, you know, the biggest thing that happened on that last card that we didn't cover. Mm. And I remember when he picked that fight. And me at the end of this year picking a lot of fights against the rest of you. I know when I picked a bad one and I was like, oh, man, I know where Steph is right now. I've definitely been there where I picked a fight where I was like, this wasn't a good pick. This was not intelligently a good, you know, hill to die on, if you will. And he was totally, absolutely 100% right. That is that. And that's the kind of pick you should win, you know, the uh, our uh, betting special on. You know, yeah, exactly. That, that really crowns a champion i think so i think it's well earned I well mean, fought year between you steph and mike yeah not me i was not running very much but yeah that one last year so finals I, really, I hung it up final standings i believe mike you got second i got third all within like a game of each other um and yeah while we all i think when we talked to we previewed the fight we all mentioned like you know this is how amanda would win and how it's possible stefan was the only one who really you know laid his nuts out there so Props to him. Props. Um, all right. You guys ready for some awards? Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody got their bow ties on, stood up straight. Oh, um, yeah. We're in full tuxes. Yeah. In an auditorium, live audience. We have all of the nominate um, nominees out there in the audience eagerly, eagerly anticipating. Yeah. I definitely don't have home I, the, uh, the golden fist, the platinum tight shorts. I don't know. We, we, need, we, need, a, we need a good name for it. The, uh, the like like the MMAZs or something like that. Well, I think you just did it. Bobby. That's not, it's not terrible, <laughs> right? MMAZs. It's not terrible. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> That's not bad. Sorry, yeah. I'm also busy, uh, kind of getting the award. Yeah, right. I, I kind of threw Mike something through something at Mike. Two minutes before we started. He's backstage. He's filling the envelopes right now with the winners. Um. So I'm gonna. So right here, let's give out first of all our. Um, we're gonna go in a real random order here. We're going to start off with submission of the year. Um, we had some... This was the toughest one, I feel, for us. I mean, look, let's be honest with you, with, with everybody here. I think... I, I'm, I know I'm speaking for myself, but I think for most of you here, where my memory for what happened during the year 
is not great anymore. And like, I got about two months. I got like two months is all I like remember of going back. And trying to remember a significant submission was not easy this year. Um, some of the nominees, we had two Sulov stretches, which were fancy-ass knee bars at UFC 228. Zabid Sherapov did one. And earlier in the evening, Aljo uh, Sterling did one, which I'm pretty sure he popped that dude's, uh, that dude's knee. Uh, Paul Craig pulled off a triangle choke late in the third round in a fight he was losing at UFC Fight Night uh, in Idaho. And then a fight card I was at, um, Anthony Pettis uh, at UFC 226 in Vegas, really, again, like it seemed like he turned back into old Anthony Pettis. Between this fight and his performance against Tony Ferguson, we kind of got Anthony, got Showtime Pettis back. And in that fight against Kiesa at UFC 226, the triangle armbar he got on him was just fucking slick. Um, I uh, Stefan's not here, but him and I picked the same thing. Um, I'm going with Aljamain Sterling's knee bar. Um, I hadn't seen anything like that before. Um, and I saw two in one night, but he did it first and he tore that dude's knee apart. And then, um, yeah, that was enough for me. That was really cool. Um, unfortunate for the guy getting injured, but that was a hell of a goddamn submission. Um, so yeah, me and Steph both got Aljamain Sterling sub, uh, submission at UFC 228. Marcus, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, depending on uh, what Mike picks, we could have a sweep here. Uh, when when we do the submission of the year, for me, it really comes to creativity. You know, if someone pulls off a submission that I hadn't seen before, that that's top of the list. In this really extremely weird case, we have the same unique submission that I, I hadn't really seen before happen in the same night. So I gave the slight edge for the same points that you mentioned before, Bobby. Sterling pulled it off, you know, a couple hours before, so he gets a little bit of credit there. And I guess you could throw in the severity of the injury from the submission. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Honestly, for all I know, the guy's okay. But my memory of it is the guy, them saying he tore his shit. So that's enough for me. So really, it's just there. I mean, I think those two are the the top runners because I think uh, Paul Craig and Anthony Pettis, well, you know, uh, Paul Craig's, you know, it being late in the fight, you know, so he really needed it. That, that's more of a, a good comeback to me and not so much the best submission I've seen. And, and Pettis, while it was really impressive and, you know, I think we're going to talk about Pettis throughout these awards and I think it speaks a lot to the kind of change he's made mentally in his fight game this year, even not being su- successful in all his endeavors. Um, really, we, we we're seeing that guy that we loved so many years ago and it was a really cool slick submission from a guy who's uh, tough to catch, but I got to give it to Sterling. That that shit was crazy. That was nuts. And he hurt that dude bad. Yeah, Mike, what are you? Are you joining us here or you got a different one? No, I am joining you guys. Um, you know, Paul Craig and Anthony Pettis. Yeah, you know, Anthony Pettis looked like he was himself again. And Paul Craig's came late in the fight. But I don't give awards out in basketball for someone just doing a two-hand dunk. And frankly, that's what I think a triangle choke and a triangle arm bar are. So those two are out automatically for that reason. And by the way, these aren't official nominations as much as I looked at everybody else's stuff and came up with nominees based on that. Just putting hey, that out there. <laughs> yeah, I take that. But, um, you know, when it comes to a good submission of the year, there has to be some creativity. And if literally the same two people do the same thing, well, you got to think who cried more in the back because of injury. So Aljamain Sterling, give it the sweep. Yeah, um, and Worth, we didn't mention it, but I think as much as it pains me, we should mention the fact that Ryan Hall tapped out a Jiu-Jitsu World Ooh. Champion in, what, a minute, two? Something like that? 
Like he got old BJ and Jiu Jitsu world champion. What? Old Jiu Jitsu world. Champion. Still, man, I don't think I don't think I've seen anybody. Ta- no one's ever tapped out BJ Penn before. It was it was a gnarly invert. Yeah, I think it, he popped his thing too. It looked like I BJ was hurt. That so. one a little uh, nomination or a nod to. But, yeah, uh, I mean, it was like when, um, when I mean, Big Ben, when he tapped out Josh Barnett, I remember. I mean, he also did a cool new submission we hadn't seen. He did, yeah. But that was also like, holy shit, he knocked, he he tapped out Josh Barnett. You know, that type I've, of shit. I've never seen someone um hit BJ Penn with that submission before, and I've also never seen anyone beat Father Time. There we go. Um, So that's it. First up was our... Uh, Submission of the year. Let's go on to knockout of the year. And I'm going to imagine this is a clean sweep, but let's see. Um, Yair Rodriguez. So some of the ones to mention, Leota Machida did another uh, front kick, this time to Vitor Belfort. Um, Daniel Cormier knocked out the heavyweight champion of the world at UFC 226, with I believe was a big overhand right, followed by some ground and pound. Um, Frank, uh, Brian Ortega became the first man to knock out Frankie Edgar at UFC 222. Amanda Nunes... Mark, Mike's just making weird faces right now. It's throwing me off. Well, well just because uh, Bobby, um, so oh, Mark, so very nicely uh, uh, put up the thing. And was it was it a was, uh, were you trying to be cute by putting Daniel Cormier? Motherfucker, with a K? I'm, I make one spelling with mistake K-O? when I when I spelled Cormier oh, was that, with a was K. That you, Bobby? Yeah, it was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I looked at my keyboard and the C is very far away from the K. <laughs> I don't know what I was even thinking. Um. <laughs> And Amanda Nunes knocked out the greatest women's featherweight, woman, arguably the greatest women's fighter of all time, not named Amanda Nunes, and Chris Cyborg about a week and a half ago. Um, but for me and for Stefan, this was not even a fucking question. Yair Rodriguez, in a fight he was losing, in the last second of the fight, hit the Korean zombie with, I don't know how to describe it, uh, Yair was bent over. And he threw his right elbow up and knocked out the Korean zombie cold. He did a 6-12 elbow while standing. And I've never seen anything like that before. And the zombie was out. And it was fucking amazing. It was, it might win fight of the year. We'll see later on. But that was the coolest knockout. That might have been the best knockout since like Edson Barbosa started wheel kicking motherfuckers. To me at least. Um, Marcus? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this one I I think is pretty much going to sweep. And, you know, when when I'm looking at knockout of the year, a lot of the same criteria for submission. I want to see something unique. And the knockout is all the better if the person getting knockout is, you know, kind of falls in a hilarious fashion. And we can check both those off because, you know, and I love Korean zombie and I I hate to see a guy go out like that. But if you're going to get knocked out, you got to go out like King Mo, right? You go stiff. You make a oh, scene of it. Oh, you make oh. it memorable. <laughs> and is... what I like about the Korean, I mean, Mike, Mike loves that reference. <laughs> it gets him every fucking time. That's why I go there. Um, but Korean, Korean zombie, I like to say, he, he fell down like, um, like a, a very uh, hot summer's day in the South. And he, he was wearing his Sunday dress and, and the vapors just got the best of him right there. <laughs> he just went down with his hands kind of up in the air. What, and- what's it name? What's it called? Um, ragdoll. He went full ragdoll. Yeah, but it was also like when he got knocked out, his hands kind of went up and they're like, oh, it, it was it was it was a spectacular moment with a technique that literally I mean, literally the first time I saw it, I didn't I thought it was a headbutt or something because I, I didn't even see the elbow. And my it's almost like one of those things when they say like, oh, when if aliens come to Earth, 
like our minds can't comprehend it so we can't see it have you guys heard that like like if you can't comprehend something you actually like don't your mind can't figure it out and they don't see it and that's what that elbow was my yeah. mind could not comprehend it so i was like oh it must have been a headbutt or something because there's no there's no strike you can throw in that position to knock someone out that way and then you see the replay like oh my perception of reality has just changed the you know, there's been a dynamic shift in the cosmos, and now a new thing is available in the You universe. just didn't know it was an option. Straight up. I you did not know that know was an that option. Was, that was a thing you could do. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, a fantastic performance. What a knockout out of nowhere. What a weird technique. What a horrible ending for a uh, zombie to come back to. I really hope we see him back again soon. We see him back in form. Because it was a great fight. But that was an incredible fight. Give it to year. Mike, what do you think? You know, I was very close to picking Amanda Nunes, um, uh -huh. mainly because uh, some of the same criteria that Mark just mentioned about you don't see it coming. And while people were saying Amanda Nunes was a live dog, none of us still saw that shit coming. The, in less than a minute? Woo! <laughs> none of us saw that coming. And while I understand that one was just a regular like right hook, I think that did the trick. I was extremely close to picking Amanda Nunes, but when I rewatched the Yair Rodriguez 6 to 12 elbow, I, I've watched it maybe 50 times at this point uh, since that fight happened, mm. and I still don't understand what the hell happened with that one. I don't get um, how he got so much torque. Like, yeah, how did he get that? <laughs> I've never seen a knockout like that, and I know I am not as long in the tooth in my MMA watching career as you guys are, but I'm assuming you guys <laughs> haven't either. Oh, yeah. Uh, it would be a travesty if I picked anything besides that one. Um, we got two clean sweeps to start off the year. Um, this one here, I think we're going to get some little diversity. Performance of the year, which really we're trying to just like overall body of work, you know, of a, in a fight. Who whose performance impressed you the most? Mike, I want to go back to you. Let's let let's let you lead this one off. Yeah, and. To continue on actually with the point, I have to give Amanda Nunes some type of love because she conquered the Goliath. She conquered the Uber woman. All right. She dispatched Chris Cyborg in less than a minute where I think even people that, as I said earlier, thought she was a live dog. Nobody was picking it within a minute. So. For me, I have to go with Amanda Nunez's uh, KO versus Chris Cyborg just a few weeks ago. Right on. Um, Marcus, what do you think, man? We're doing performance, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I hate to do it because we're kind of following a trend. We want to get some diversity. It was, it's, there's, diver there's diversity coming for sure. Okay. So, um, I mean, for me, also, when I'm doing these awards, I, I want to slot people in. You know, it, I think certain fighters need to get recognized. I don't want one person to kind of just get it all. So this is kind of, I mean, I think, well, you know, Amanda News is going to get a couple awards from me here, actually. But this one was just really, it It was the performance. You know, I was thinking, my the other one I was really, um, that was really debate. It was between this and Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. Um, I think those were the two best performances I saw in, in the kind of list that 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 uh, um, Bobby so kindly provided to us. But I have to go with Amanda Nunez because um, like, just like Mike said, completely unexpected, you know, especially in that if this fight was going to be a firefight, if you told me like, OK, they're going to fight each other, but they they have some weird contract where it's like no grappling. They have to sit in the pocket and just throw hammers at each other. I was like Chris Cyborg all day. That's what this chick does. That's that's how she's got her bread and butter for so many years. And she's gotten better, but that's when she's at her best is in the chaos. She just manhandles these girls. And to, to have Amanda Nunes 
get there. And the first time she hurt Cyborg, you knew like, okay, Cyborg has got to shift her game plan. She has to tie up. She needs well, she to also move. got cracked first. Remember, Amanda got her nose busted like immediately oh, she was bleeding right, yeah. out of her nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was just like when you saw Chris really get hurt, it was like, okay, she needs to recover. She needs to get, you know, to get her uh, uh, mental uh, faculties back online, right? And that's just Cyborg. That's not in the program. The program where Cyborg is throw punch especially when she gets hurt you can just tell that was her natural reaction is just stay in the fight you can beat this girl you're better at a firefight and amanda nunez it, it, the, the fight reminded me a lot of uh ronda rousey and amanda nunez where it just seemed like ronda when she got when she got clipped and when hurt there was no repercussion for her to get back in this fight it was all nunez at that point and that's exactly what this was but to do it against chris cyborg who's never been stopped who's never really even been hurt really i can't think well besides okay besides that kickboxing match where she lost right um and maybe how do you think holly home really hurt no, she, just, she just, she just yeah she just won some rounds but, That's it. uh yeah to have a man in Nunes just go in there up a weight class and i mean really chris cyborg was the girl no one wanted to fight when ronda rousey i mean and we i love ronda and everything she did for her weight class in the division she had no interest in going up and fighting chris cyborg the only time she ever talked about fighting cyber was like she has to come down to 35 which i think she kind of knew she would not be able to do realistically so to have amanda nunez you know step up and take that fight and what what i think is really interesting this will be the last thing i say about about, about amanda nunez uh, performance of the year i remember her first strike force fight she had a very impressive first round ko somewhat like this one and they were already saying like oh when are you gonna fight cyborg and she was like yeah i'm gonna get a couple more fights first i'm not quite ready for that and you got to give Amanda credit for guiding her her career in a way that led her to this fantastic moment of basically her being the best female MMA uh, fighter, I-, I think, of all time at this point. I think you yeah, can I mean, say that with what she's accomplished spo- Spoiler alert, guys. She's going to come up again when we're announcing female fighter of the year. Um, Easy. So uh, Stefan's pick was Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. Max Holloway's performance against Brian Ortega, which I'm going to give some credit to right now in what was a systematic destruction of an incredibly tough and game challenger. Max Holloway answered every question anybody had about whether he was going to be okay after all the shit that happened when the fight got canceled. He put on a virtuoso performance and they could have stopped this at any point. And the end of the fourth round, they just stopped it because Brian Ortega gave us everything he could. Because he was willing to die out there. When Brian Ortega says, I was willing to die out there, I totally believe it. And Max Holloway put on a clinic. Um, I'm going to go a little bit out of left field here. And you guys are going to think a little bit nuts, but whatever. These are all personal awards, so I can have whatever reason I want. Um, I'm going to do it to Tyrone Woodley. Because Tyrone Woodley has put up with more shit as a champion, I feel, than pretty much all these big guys. I feel everything the UFC's done has been an effort to get the belt off this motherfucker. And then they would blame him for every one of these fights where it's somehow his fault that Damian Maya is only going to shoot on him. It's somehow his fault that Tyrone, that uh, Stephen Thompson doesn't know what to do where when Stephen, a guy doesn't come forward at him. Tyrone Woodley has never won less than 51% of any of these fights, if that makes sense to people. And they went out there and put him against a kid who was like six foot two that they put the entirety of the marketing behind him and Tyron Woodley showed and Tyron Woodley. I don't know how long this fight was. Let's say seven minutes. Tyron Woodley fought a perfect seven minutes Tyron Woodley both knocked out 
and tapped this man out. He did both in one fight. Who was the other guy? Someone else did this recently. Um, it was like what happened to fucking Ryan Bader with Tito Ortiz. He got knocked out and he got topped out. Tyron Woodley fought a literally perfect fight against an undefeated guy. And um, I know Amanda's was a great Amanda's a great pick. Max is a great pick. Um, Amanda's fight over Raquel Pennington, quite frankly, was insane because Raquel Pennington, Marcus, remember we always talk about how it's impossible to look good against Raquel Pennington, and Amanda beat her ass for four and a half rounds. Yeah, and looked good, amazing. Good, she was, good nominee. Great thing. I'm actually gonna switch my pick. <laughs> I want to. I have one. Let me let me give one. Let me give my credit. Okay. Uh, let me give credit to one more before you do that. Unless you're about to pick that one. No. Uh, Izzy Izzy Adesanya made Derek. He looked like Anderson Silva against everybody. Not named For- Forrest Griffin, really, because Forrest Griffin was a different level. It looked like when Anderson Silva was in the Matrix type shit against Derek Brunson. So yeah, uh, Mark, go ahead. Yeah, Mike. Uh, you have to make a little edit here. I'm actually gonna go with Max and Brian Ortega because one. When, when you were talking about what Stefan picked, I was like, I just talked about how I'm going to switch up the things so people get different awards. And I think Max needs to get credit. And I think even in this instance, Brian gets credit too. And I think that's why I'm actually switching my pick is that it was a great performance on both sides, even in a losing effort from Brian Ortega. Um, while he didn't really display a lot of great offense in this fight, even though, I mean, he, he I mean you, can, you, can, you, can, you can give a fight of, the year, a fight of the year too. I'm just saying, if you're talking about both guys' credit. Did we have that for fight of we the do year? Have the fight of the year, I usually look for... I mean, you could. That, but no, I already, it's I, not I wasn't another co- banger for I got gotcha, you. Go player. ahead. Go ahead. But, uh, but yeah, it's just... Uh, I was so impressed with just how much punishment Brian Ortega was able to to to, to eat up on on uh, Max Holloway. And that was just a fantastic performance that needs to get an award. So Okay, so you're giving it to Max Holloway, right? Because it sounded like you are yeah. giving Ortega a lot of praise. I mean, I guess we say performance of the year and it's really just Max Holloway. Yeah. But the performance is elevated because Ortega elevated his yeah, performance true. too. And that's what made it. Cause I mean, Chris Cyborg, she's a beast, you know, all props go to Manny Nunes for knocking her out. Didn't look great in that fight, really, because she got she got shook and did, was not able to adjust and, and make it into those later rounds. Brian Ortega was able to do that. Brian Ortega just fucking survived. He took the hard shots yeah. and he kept coming. And and like you I said, see Bob, your point. Kid was not gonna stop. So yeah, no, he, I was I was it made it it did, made it look he did the old Homer Simpson versus uh that the Mike Tyson wannabe in the from the Simpsons. Okay, now here we go. So this is our next award for quote of the year. Let's be honest, folks. There's there's just one. All right? We all know there's just one. It's Derek Lewis for his entire post-fight speech. Real quick, you guys, why don't you guys tell me if I you disagree? I, I want I want to be able to throw something better out there. I honestly don't know. Because mostly I don't like this because he talks about fucking Trump. Yeah, but he doesn't get but it wasn't like he wasn't like giving credit to Trump. He was just talking. It was like funny joke, man. It All was, right, my, it was, but I was just like, mm. Mike, I, I, you know, I don't I, I'm not gonna knock it because if I had something better, I would present it and, and have an argument okay. for it, but I don't and it was really funny. The guy came out with no he took his pants off. That that in and of itself not being a quote is just physical comedy that i can get behind okay mike i'm pretty sure we can pull this off i'm gonna try to ad lib what joe rogan's questions were okay because i'm pretty sure i remember them i watched this video enough you i want you to play Derek lewis and i'm giving you the quote here and whenever the dot 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 dots represent when i'm gonna ask a question yes okay i'm here with Derek lewis Derek, why'd you take your pants off my balls was hot i understand 
Um, Derek, man, you are out here. Like, people are sleeping on you, man. You go out here. You're having a rough, rough fight the first couple rounds. You really had to dig deep. Um, what happened out there, Dean? How'd you get that win? Uh, I forgot a few hours before the fight. Donald Trump called me and told me I got to knock this Russian motherfucker out. They're making him look bad on the news. Him and Putin and shit. Shit, what they talking about. You were saying this whole. I mean, Derek, this win here over a tough, tough guy in Volkov really puts you, you know, you were ranked number three before it. You were, it puts you right at the upper echelon of division. You got, I mean, how close do you think you are to title shot? Man, I need to sit my black ass down and do some cardio. Shit, what you talking about right now? I ain't trying to fight for no title right now. Not with no gas tank like that. I, uh, you know, I understand. Uh, well, Derek, you know, you're one of a kind. We love talking to you. We love watching you fight. Um, go ahead and congratulate. Go ahead and uh, enjoy this win. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, next week or maybe two weeks from now, I'm going to come on your show and smoke some weed with you. I, I can't wait. Derek Lewis, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I feel I did a really good job there because I did not have any script, and I think I nailed like 80% of that. I'm going to tell you, when you started on another edition of It's M Amazing Theater with you and Mike, don't always go very well. Not <laughs> something I am I usually <laughs> applaud. That was easily the best performance I've ever done. <laughs> best performance of the year. Whoa, whoa. Yo, you, don't re you don't remember the uh, John Jones, Daniel Corey? What? I oh, thought no. Bobby nailed oh, that no, one. Mike. Mike. I remember all too well. And I was, it was it was cringe as fuck. And I thought leading up to this one, I was like, oh, Bobby, why are we doing this again? But, Bobby, you did a great job for not having Joe Rogan's lines. I, I mean, I thought you nailed it. And, Mike, what a performance from Derek Lewis. I mean, he didn't sound Jamaican. He didn't do any of the weird accents he usually falls into. That was top notch. If if all the It's Amazing theaters are going to be like that, we have to make that a segment. Look, man, I only have trouble with European accents. Yeah, I don't blame you, man. I get it. But that was great. You guys killed it. Quote of the year. Um, yeah. No, no uh, that was amazing. I love Derek Lewis. Been, I mean, I think I gave Derek Lewis the... It, it, give it to him last year when he was talking... I forgot what he's been talking about. Black Beast in this hoe was the end of it. Swanging and banging. That's what it was. I definitely picked him last year for that. Um... Next award we want to give out. Um, I think it's time to let's get a little let's let's get uh, let's go to fight of the year. Huh? Let's uh, let's get that out of the way here. Um, we got some we got a number of nominees. Um, really good year for fights, quite frankly. And I think this is going to be one where we're kind of all over the place. Um, we got let me uh, let's go lead off with Mark first. Mark, what's your fight of the year? Uh, yeah, so I mean, Bobby, I, I do want to, to shout out the nominations. Bob, Bobby posed four fantastic fights for us to, to pick from, and we can always throw in whatever we wanted. So we had Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje, uh, Robert Whitaker and uh, Romero too, uh, Tony Ferguson and Anthony Pettis, and Souza and Chris Weidman, which we know is not going to win a lot. That was just a ho-hum fight. We all got Mike's analysis of that one when it came up. Uh, but in all honesty, for me, it was really down to two. I was really picking between uh, Poirier and Gaethje and Ferguson and Pettis. And uh, before, you know, this is the little research I did. Before the show, I was like, you know what? I want to watch those fights again and really kind of see. Because I, I remember Poirier and Gaethje's good. All of Gaethje's fights are good. But just how good was this one? 
Um, ultimately, I am giving it to Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. I think the Ferguson-Anthony Pettis fight was really fucking fun. We saw Pettis let his hands go. He dropped Ferguson a couple times. Ferguson showed a lot of grit and determination, was able to get that win back. Ultimately, I, I, I gave that one. I dialed that one down a little bit less than Poirier because of how the fight ended. Um, uh, Pettis was not able to answer, answer the bell into the third round. So that was a little anticlimactic, given that the fight was just so impressive and so fun. Um, so, so, so giving it to my winner, which is Poirier and, and Gus, uh, Justin Gaethje. Um, I mean, what can you say? You know, Bobby's been a big fan of Gaethje for a while. We knew this guy was kind of a banger, but his stint in the UFC has been incredible. And as someone that has followed a lot of fighters that are, have been bangers and guys that I really liked, a lot of these guys come to the UFC and they just can't perform the same way. They, they play it safe or the bright lights, they can't get the same performances that they did in the you know the, the lesser organizations. But Justin Gaethje has come into the UFC, win, lose, or draw, has put on a fucking fantastic show each and every time. And these are the kind of fighters I love the most, right? It's just these guys are going out there to entertain. They're going out there to get wins, die on their shield. This is the mentality of a true fighter. And He'll win this award every year that he's fighting if he keeps putting out performances like this because I just I love this guy's heart. And, you know, he does need dance partners, and he's gotten a lot of great ones. And Dustin Poirier was ready and up for the task. And these guys just really went at each other, and uh, it was just a fantastic fight. And, you know, over I mean, I think last year Justin might have gotten it from us too. Did he have two nominees? Was it Alvarez and – no, it wasn't Alvarez and uh, – uh, last Johnson, year. right? I think Johnson, he won. Johnson, he ago. won two years ago. I think he won last year. From me, at least. I, I think, think I, I got. Did. Maybe I did. I can't even remember. I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember which ones. I. I've. I'm. I. I've made the joke, but it's gonna keep happening. I'm with you. I got. I got. I got the same thing. I got. I'm. I've been. I mean, you guys know I was waving the Justin Gaethje flag when he was in World Series of Fighting. Like, hey man, this guy is having goddamn firefights with people in what looks like high school gyms. You <laughs> know. Like, I, I was part of the Justin Gaethje, you know, bandwagon. We're trying to get him a Wikipedia page. Wikipedia kept deleting him, I remember, because they said it wasn't relevant. Um, yeah, I got I got Justin Gaethje also. That was a hell of a performance. His other fight where he smoked James Vick in the first round made me really happy, though. Wasn't he needed good a big win. He needed to because James Vick was talking a world of shit, too. Um, Mike, um, Stefan actually picked, um, if I'm not mistaken, I can't find it now. I think he picked what well, he picked, picked Bobby Whitaker versus Yoel Romero too. Mike, not to spoil it, but are you gonna pick that one or are you picking or, or is that No, I am going a different pick from what you guys have picked. I'm okay. actually going nice. Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis. Okay, then and... real quick real quickly, let me give Romero and Rockhold their dues. Yep. Um Romero and um not Rockhold, Romero and Bobby Knuckles. Whitaker. For I thought this was a fucking amazing fight. Robert Whitaker got hit with some of the biggest shots of everything you've seen a human being get hit with. This isn't within the realm of the fight. So for me, the fact that Romero showed up fucking fat and missed weight kind of took away from how much I was enjoying it, just going into it. But that doesn't take away from the goddamn grit they both showed. So that was an incredible fight. Mike, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no problem. Uh, for me, a lot of the things that were, I think, going into the fight really uh, affected how, how I enjoyed the fight when it comes to Ferguson and Pettis. You know, with Ferguson, you had the storyline of this man just, what, six months ago had to have surgery to completely reconstruct his uh, left or right knee. I forget he did no rehab. Was. He did it himself, his own rehab, too. 
sorry about that mm-hmm. and you know when it comes to anthony pettis you know um it'd been a long time really since we had seen pettis really let it go and kind of just look like himself and he had promised it before like yeah the old pettis is coming back but you know we hadn't really seen it before and in this fight these are just two guys that were just throwing without abandon uh Ferguson was showing lateral and, you know, just just overall quickness and agility that a man who <coughs> sorry. <coughs> a man who just had reconstructive surgery six months ago should be starting to train after six months, not competing against, you know, a top ten lightweight. And he was availing himself very well. And Pettis was, you know, firing without fear for what seems like the first time in a long time. And even though Pettis lost the, lost the fight, um, I don't really think there were any losers, um, you know, except for the fact Pettis probably lost half his, his, uh, you know, paycheck. But besides that, um, it was an exciting fight. And I think much like Mark, I kind of want to give, uh, Tony Ferguson and Anthony Pettis some love somewhere uh, during this award show. Yeah, and I like it. Of course, there is the lackluster Jacare versus Chris Weidman fight. That was so so. By the way, I I did. I I swear, I swear to God, Mike, I swear to God, I didn't do it to fuck with you. And this is a joke that's funny to like seven people who remember this part of the podcast. But that was on multiple people's lists for fight of the year in the nominees. Not even (laughs) ranked. Well, this goes to show that people don't know what they're talking about. That's why um, you got to come here to get the real gospel right from Mike. He's telling you the truth. Uh, yeah, okay. And let's do event of the year, um, which I got the same thing Stefan does, and I really don't think – I mean, I'm not going to dismiss everybody else's thing. I think this was this was the clear not winner because in addition to being the card that give us Derek Lewis talking about his balls and the miraculous comeback win and giving us that Anthony Pettis – um, uh, Tony Ferguson fight Mike just mentioned. Um, Connor and Khabib, man, UFC 229. It smashed every pay per view record. It was a really good show until Khabib embarrassed himself in the sport. Um, event of the year, man. I'm not just saying best event. It is the event of the year. It was massive. It was the biggest event we're gonna see until the next time Connor fights, and it may not do as well. Though if they fight each other again, I imagine it'll be better. Yeah, me and Stefan both have it. UFC with 229. Um, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I will have to agree with you on that one. Um, for some reason, it seems that every time Connor fights, that seems to be an extremely great card. It seems to be deep, or at the very least, it seems that fights that are supposed to be exciting seem to work out as well. And this one wasn't any exception. Um, although, look, Derek Lewis, my balls is hot, and his comeback win, those were great moments, but I do gotta just knock it a bit, even though I'm gonna pick it, because let's remember, that was a pretty fucking boring fight before he got that knockout. Dude, it all, it all, you gotta, you you graded, (laughs) the whole thing together was incredible. Yes. Um, you know, was that Ningano? Was that Ningano? No, 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 no. That, that was, was, Alex, the, that was uh, Alexander, right? I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll save it for my turn. All right. Uh, 
Yeah, but I'm agreeing with you and Steph. I picked the USC 229 as well. Um, it's going to be hard to pick anything else, uh, any other card, when it's a year that Conor McGregor fights on, you know, in that year. I mean, Jesus Christ, uh, Nick Lentz hit a head kick in that card. Um, Mark, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm also going with that uh, 229. However you, you you slice and dice event of the year, whether it has the most eyes on it, it's the most anticipated fight. For me, it's usually what card is the most entertaining throughout, which has had the most fun fights. And what I was a little confused by, I love that Derek Lewis, Alexander Volkskins, I don't remember his last name. I think is it's because, Volkov. Volkov, because, I mean, Derek Lewis was getting, hey, look at if some dude's just getting his ass whooped, that's entertaining as fuck to me. I love <laughs> seeing a dude just get pummeled around the octagon. Even better when that motherfucker pulls off a Hail Mary uh, knockout punch in the last like 10 seconds. That is mwah, for Mark Paris over here. So that fight, uh, Fergus and Pettis, which was fucking awesome. And then you have the main event, which, you know, I actually thought was a really compelling fight. You know, the first round in the Connor fight wasn't super great, but Habib cracked him in the second and was just got work done for the rest of the fight until he finished him. I just thought from top to bottom, that was a really fun card. That's a card that down the line I might be like, oh yeah, let's I'll check out that whole card. Let's go from the main event, you know, and just let's just let's just work our way through it because we know we got bangers throughout. So that that was a pretty easy one for me. Um, great main event, extremely strong supportive main card underneath it. That's what you need to make an event of the year. And I'm assuming all of us enjoyed that event with some proper twelve. Yeah, we were drinking proper twelve actually. That's not false. And that's so not we sour the event for anybody. <laughs> eh, it's just Jameson. Fuck the Jameson brothers. That was the best part of the press conferences leading up. Um, I really enjoyed Connor exposing to the world how much of a piece of shit Habib's manager is, though. That was really good for me, too. Just saying. Um, all right. Um, I've gone in the most random order possible, if I'm being honest with you guys. I yeah, think it's, it's time it's to talk. Been, it's been a treat to try to follow. I the, apologize. Uh, All right. We're going to do moment of the year. Um, however you want to gauge that. So, uh, Marcus, why don't you lead us off? Oh, this one's tough. You know, again, uh, Bobby threw out a lot of interesting things that happened throughout the year. Cormier becoming double champ and the uh, confrontation with Lesnar in the cage. Uh, of course, you got to talk about the McGregor bus attacked. The following Habib starting his own attack after winning the fight. Nunez, uh, Amanda Nunez crowning accomplishment being the first woman double champ. There's a Bellator walkout, which I'm like, oh, that one. That, that was the first. Me. That was the Hawaiian one. For, uh, okay. okay. That I, was, didn't, I didn't actually see it. So, you know, not, not, not fair for me to really to throw shade on it. I just d didn't really know it. And then you have uh, uh, Henry Cejudo dethroning DJ. Um, again, I'm spreading the love around a little bit, even though, I mean, this person kind of want <clears throat> my, my gut. I was, I was thinking mostly the Conor McGregor bus attack. I just think that caught the most headlines. It was talked about and then used promotionally. The story still developing with Michael Chiesa and his that lawsuit. is again. I love Michael Chiesa's lawyers. Go ahead. And, no, sorry. And also, I mean, but I mean, you kind of, you brought a new wrinkle cause I don't, I hadn't been following it or I didn't see the, the new story about how they're going to be able to further sue Connor because they use the promotional material and that's some weird New York law. And it's just like, and that thing keeps unfolding. And it was just so insane and fucked up to, to see in the first place and all the ramifications that came out of it, how little it 
ultimately kind of affected Connor and his ability to fight in that state and, and not serve jail time and stuff like that. Um, it was just a really weird clusterfuck of what, huh, how, okay. Um, so I, I got to give it to that. But there's a lot of interesting moments throughout this year that uh, you guys might might want to uh, expel upon. Um, Stefan went with uh, Habib starting a riot, I believe. Right, Mike? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I got the same thing. I got Habib starting a riot because there was two and a half million pay-per-view buys watching that. And uh, all he had to do was take a few steps back. And he would have had that moment where they put the belt around him in front of all these people watching. He didn't even get that. It was the greatest athletic achievement of his life. And it was the greatest financial windfall of his life. And he fucked it up. Not like impressively fucked it up. And millions and millions of people watched. And I don't like it when the sport looks that bad. Like this shit with John Jones. The sport looked really bad. The bus attack. The, co- the sport looked really bad. I put a lot of bad stuff on this list. Because a lot of bad shit happened. And for me, that was terrible. And Khabib started a goddamn riot. All right? That was terrible. So, I mean, yeah. You only, you, only, you only put two bad things on this list, man. The rest are just athletic. Oh, I, I, I think my I think my uh, story of the years have way more bad stuff. But go ahead. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, well. Well, moment of the years isn't too bad. Uh, hmm. This is a tough one because... You guys have gone, both of you, the negative, like all three of you have gone the negative route. I think I would like to go with one of the more positive things. Uh, so I am going to give Amanda Nunes some more love, you know, because she was balling in the ring when she became the double champ. Um, I think I wasn't too upset about losing the, uh, you know, losing the, the title to, to Steph. Because, you know, Amanda Nunes was uh, just so happy. And I think we've all think she's been very maligned. I mean, Cyborg as well to a certain extent. But um, we've all thought Amanda Nunes hasn't gotten the push that she deserved. And, you know, it was incredibly satisfying to see someone just so humble. And when they have no reason to be so humble. You know, this is a woman who, look who she's beaten. She's beaten... Misha Tate, who was a champion. She's she's beaten Ronda Rousey, who at one point was considered the greatest female fighter ever. She's beaten Cyborg, who up until a few weeks ago was considered the greatest female Did, fighter. You saw ever. that picture with her sitting on the chair with the three heads mounted? Yeah, that was, that was a pretty dope picture. That was, that was badass. <laughs> so to bring a bit of positivity to this negative Nancy fest that the three of you have uh, you know, bestowed upon us in moment of the year. Oh, it's going to get so much Amanda worse. Nunes. It's going to get worse later. <laughs> uh, I have a question. Is, is, there's only three double champs, right, so far? Yes. It's Connor, Cormier, and Amanda Nunes. And I think of those three, hers is the cleanest, right? Like, she's just been, she just beat everybody. She beat all those girls. She got those belts. Connor's yeah, is only, kind of clean, too. Only went, one of them. He to 170, and he lost to Nate, and then they had a rematch, and then he had a well, title Well, only shot one person defended both the belts. That's true, but I mean, 
well, Amanda Nunes just won that shit, and she's defended the hell out of that. Yeah. And I think with, with well, Corey, I mean, I'm gonna... not trying to take anything away from Cormier or even McGregor. These are huge accomplishments that they totally deserve. I just think it's a little extra tweak on Amanda Nunes. There's not really any weirdness going around with it, right? There's no losses in between winning a belt and then losing to Nate. There's no, like, I got the belt, but I didn't beat the best guy in division with, with uh, Daniel. It's just she's the baddest chick out there. No questions about it. You won't do it. I'll do it. I'll bang on Cormier a bit. All right. Look. No, I know yeah, he's he's the first guy to defend the title. But and as much as I love Derek Lewis, he defended that shit against Derek Lewis. True. Well, fuck, man. <laughs> he Connor didn't defend against anybody. That's that's true. Connor just likes collecting the belts. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to defend the kingdom. He wants to to ravage it and then move on to the next one. But yeah, Mike, good pick. I think Amanda Nunes moment of the year. I think that is a quality pick. Um. All right. Um. Let's do female fighter of the year. It's Amanda Nunes. It's not even fucking close. She knocked out Cyborg in less than a minute, and she also beat the shit. Was that this year when she beat up Mikel Pennington? You put it as one of the fights. Well, fuck, I, I fucking <laughs> hope so. <laughs> I fucking hope so. <laughs> um, I think this is... I Yeah, I think... I mean, what else you want to say? <laughs> no. This is, this is Detective Mark comes to the crime scene. The guy that just murdered him is still over the body with the knife. This knife, this is open and closed case. Amanda Nunes, easily female fighter of the year. Yeah, she also beat... Yeah, she beat the shit out of Raquel Pennington. I can't. I know that like people don't think Raquel Pennington is all that great, but nobody looks good when they fight her, whether they win or lose. All right, she's one of those fighters, and Amanda tuned her up. So yeah, I yeah, it was not even. I mean, what are the other nominees here, Mike? The other nominees are Rose Namajunas, who only fought once, and that was her second fight against Joanna Weiner. Mm-hmm. And Valentina Shevchenko, who just won the 125 uh, championship against Joanna Weiner. Yeah, she won two fights, though. She beat that other, uh, she beat Cachoeira this year, too, I believe, in what was a slaughter. That, that doesn't make I, you a female fighter, it, do you, though? I would, I would give one little notch to Rose because she did only have the one fight, but we know that leading up to that fight with the Connor attack, that really kind of mentally shook her really bad, right? So, like, for her yeah. to get shook that bad and then still come out and, and beat you know, the best women's champion of that division to that point was still impressive, but come on. She, she, she fucking, yeah, I mean, and, Val- and Valentina it. dealt with the fact that she got her title fight taken away from her twice. Cause That's Nico Montagna yeah. and stuff. All three of all th- women. I mean, they're all nominated for a reason. Shit. Yeah. And, and, and persevered. They all deserve it, but it's just like, she just knocked out. King I mean, Kong, you know? I mean like, let's, let's be uh, abundantly clear about it. Amanda Nunes is the fighter of the year, period. Like, yeah, I would agree. Like not even like, it's not even a doubt in anybody's mind. Right? Like, let's be honest here, guys. She is fucking mm. savage. She's my hero. Um, Male fighter of the year. By the way, yeah, Stefan took Amanda too. Male fighter of the year. Uh, some people you want to mention. Israel Adesanya went 4-0. Four and goddamn 0. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov went 2-0. and He uh, took him five rounds to beat a real estate agent. Um, not, I'm sorry. I love Al. Um, he beat Al Quinta on like, he didn't know he was fighting Al until like three days before. So there's that. Um, and, um, he beat Conor McGregor 
He finished him, too. And then Daniel Cormier, who fought three times, if I'm not mistaken. Right, guys? Talking I didn't myself. look it. I did not look it up. I'm not. Sh- I mean, I he got. I know he fought Derek. I don't. I think he fought before July. Or is that really? Was he really two and zero? Did he? Did he? Did he beat No Time this year? He might have. That seems like a 2019 fight, right? 2018, you mean? 2018. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, let's be clear about this. Me and Stefan both. Yeah, he beat. He beat No Time in Jan in January. Yeah, I, me and Stefan got the same thing. I got Daniel Cormier. I think this was a pretty easy one too. Quite frankly, Mark, what do you think? Well, it really wasn't as easy for me because first my, my gut reaction just looking at this is I want to give it to Habib because the guy's been undefeated. He's been fighting his whole life for this moment. He fought, you know, the not only probably one of the most dangerous guys, but the most, I think, mentally strong guys in the game, the guys that a lot of people bend to the pressure. And if he didn't fucking do all that shit after the fight, I probably would give him fighter of the year. But him acting like a fucking maniac after I can't give him fighter of the year. That is not a fighter of the year like mentality. That is not what my fighters of the years do. So then you have Daniel and Israel. And honestly, Israel, four four wins in a row is fucking impressive. That's a hard feat. And he did it in style. He only had one fight that was kind of close. But ultimately, if you're going to be fighter of the year for Mark Paris, I need to see a strap on that waist, baby. You got to get that gold for me. So he's out. So then you kind of, well, you only got Daniel left. But... There is a man in the wings that I think I'm going to give it to just to shake it up a little bit. I was going to give it to this guy, but ultimately when Bobby reminded me that Daniel fought three times in one, I'm like, oh, fuck. I think that kind of puts it over the head. I want to give Henry Cejudo some fat fucking props here because he beat the man of the man. You know, leading up to that fight, there was no doubt in anyone's mind that uh, 125 was ran and owned by DJ Mighty, uh, Mighty Mouse. And to go in there and to rematch that guy who he fucking, obl- I mean, Cejudo got obliterated in that first fight. It was embarrassing. He got beaten the clinch. He's a fucking Olympic wrestler. He got beaten the clinch with a knee. That's crazy. To come back and then to win that fight is extremely impressive. And he deserves a lot of props. Ultimately, yep. that fight wasn't super <laughs> entertaining. It was I still, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I'm not sure he won, but you know, it was very close. close. You know, but he got that. He he got that win, and I, I wanted to give him some hot props. But you have to go, with Daniel Cormier, mostly because a dude fought three times, and you know, you you can he say beat the greatest fought, heavyweight of all time, and you can say he fought Derek Lewis, and I agree with Mike. That's not the greatest scalp in the world to 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 put and to flaunt, but he really beat Stipe, and that's really where I think he's getting he's getting a lot of nods for me. Um. Really, I think you know. I think Habib did did a, did a lot this year that that should be credited, but he, he shit the bed right at the moment where there was really no reason to. But uh, yeah, I have to give it to DC, the champ. If champ. he had, if he'd finished Al, I would have. I don't know. Al's really tough to finish in general. But yeah, I, I mean, mostly he beat fucking Connor, and he made it kind of look easy. And I think that was that was his real crowning achievement. But he really just threw all that in the toilet as soon as he fucking could. I can't award that kind of behavior put, put that trophy <laughs> next to that one million dollars the commission's holding put our trophy next to that it's the same thing he's not getting all right true he's getting fined mike you're with us here uh no i am not because like this it. is fights her of the year not best male person of the year and mm. if you're going to include what he did after the fight you have to also include what he did, what he didn't do before the fight, because Conor McGregor was unleashing 
psychological warfare for months. The man literally attacked his bus. He did mother effing research on Habib and his whole team and his dad and his government and all of that. And you know what Habib didn't do? He didn't smack him before the fight. No, Habib there just stoically, you know, let Connor drink his proper 12 at, at the press conference, probably thinking that thing probably tastes like cat piss, but I'm a Muslim, so I don't drink, so I wouldn't know. Halas. And then he goes into the fight. He methodically picks him apart. And you see, you say he lost is cool. No, no, no. Khabib knew exactly what he was doing. All right. He was embarrassing the sport and everybody involved. But yeah, go ahead. Khabib was like, no, no. After fight, I smack you and your little boy, Dallas. Okay? Fuck this bill. Okay? But give me my money. Oh, shit. I fucked up. Where's... Oh, no. I'm not getting paid. Do you really think Khabib is fighter of the year over DC? Honestly, just jokes aside. You got to You give it to him? Because, like, I objectively, like... I'm not... I mean, this is all personal. So there's no right or wrong answer. But for me, literally, like... He beat the best heavyweight ever. Like, and he Shit, beat him in a round. And right? he became the double champion while beating the best UFC heavyweight ever. We that can all say Kane. In, wait, wait. That did happen in 2018, right? Stipe? Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was, that's that's why he's fighter of the year. He became double champ, knocking out Stipe. That's uh, why I'm. <laughs> well, for some reason, for some reason, I thought he became double champ in like December 2017. No, right, no. I'm going to go with Cormier. <laughs> See what you did, Bobby. You I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to, but no, because I'm like, I'm like, because uh, I look, man, he literally, look, think about it. He came back from getting kicked upside the fucking head where he was like broken with what that John Jones loss. And he came back and he beat Vulcan Ozdemir. All right. And that's, and he just took care of business. All right. That was, he fought after Jones. The Volmir, that wasn't his first fight after. That was, was his it? first fight after. Okay. Okay. Who else would it be? I don't know. He no, fought a lot of his first fight. That was his first fight. Uh, he, he came fought, back. He fought Jones in August, and then he fought Ozemir in j January. January yeah. yeah, he did that. And then he took on the best heavyweight ever. Okay? Knocked him out in a round. And then he saved the UFC's ass. And sure, it's Derek Lewis. But it was on one month's notice. And you know what? Derek Lewis doesn't lose that often. I know it's Derek Lewis. We made the jokes. Derek Lewis is what? 10 and 1? Those last 11 fights? Some shit like that? Derek Lewis is going to fight for a belt again. The way things are going. Yeah, Daniel Cormier. All right. Um, I think we only have one ward left. Um, and that is story of the year. Um, I'm going to go first here. Um, here are some of the nominees. UFC signs with uh, ESPN. Uh, John Jones and the UFC 232, all that stuff. The entire Conor Khabib saga. Um, ben Askren was traded for Mighty Mouse. Um but for me and for Stefan, this was pretty obvious. And if all things are being equal, the biggest story of the year should be the UFC signing with ESPN. It is a culmination of the efforts that the Dana White and the Fertitas saw when they built this thing to be on the biggest sports platform in the world. But it's very clearly to me the fact that the UFC, the biggest story is that the UFC stopped caring what any of you think. You gotta stop throwing curveballs like that, man. You had me changing what your thing was. Well, like let me finish talking. I'm, I'm, I'm about to go on a roll here. The UFC does not care what any of us think. And we've all probably presumed this for a while, but it became abundantly fucking clear this year. Especially in the last month 
with this shit with the with the, especially with that John Jones event with all that crap. They the UFC has reached like pissing on your leg but telling you it's raining levels of not giving a fuck about you. All right? They know, look, when did that, all that John Jones shit happen 3 weeks ago? They know we're all like they don't care. This is the result of having one of 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 one company owning a sport. They effectively own the sport. And they've owned it for a long time. And they do not cater to what the actual UFC fan likes. Um, it's the same problem that's going on in wrestling with the WWE. Um, they do not, the UFC does not cater to the hardcore fans on any level because they don't deserve our support, but they know they aren't going to lose it because this is my favorite sport. I know this is Mark's favorite sport. I don't know if it's Mike's favorite sport, but I know it's one of his favorite sports. I know it's one of Stefan's favorite sports. They got us. We're watching. All right. And we have our ways of protesting. And some of them, if you guys want to message us on Twitter, DMs, I can give you some advice on how to do that. But they have us. And you know what? Um, ESPN, we're all about to sign up for ESPN Plus. Though we did learn ESPN Plus, you get five streams, allegedly. So you get four of your friends, guys, and you all pay a dollar and you, you enjoy that. Yeah, they don't care. And again, it should be the fact that they signed with ESPN. That should be the biggest story of the year, but it's not. The UFC continually just, I don't, I'm not even talking about the way that they treat their fighters because at this point, I don't care because they all had an opportunity to form a fighters association and they all let Leslie Smith die out there. They let Cajun Johnson die out there. I'm talking about the way they treat their fans. They don't deserve their fans. And in 2018, that became abundantly clear. And it, and yeah, part of the reason I don't remember what happened past two months ago is because I don't watch as many fights. There's too many goddamn cards. Mark, they put what, what was the schedule I showed you? I mean, in, in what capacity? How many fights were there? Two How many fights were on there? There was 20 fight cards in 20, the first 26 weeks of the I year. I mean, it was it was basically their schedule for the first half of the year, and there's, what, two months where there's not a fight every week? So. Yeah, there's 20 events in 26 weeks. We're currently expensing, experiencing two of those free weeks right now. But yeah, that's what me and Stefan got. I'm, I'm assuming his rationale is what mine is. They don't care what we think, and it, they don't pretend otherwise anymore. Mark, what do you got this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's really between two, um, and it is, I mean, it, you can just say it's like a UFC culture change, like a business culture is changing at the UFC where, you know, before they used to do things in a very pragmatic way, very much like we are a sports group, the best fighters fight for the titles, that's how this whole thing's going to flow, that's how it's going to work, and, you know, it, ever since they've gotten bought, We've seen the changes in the culture, and now, and I think, like like you said, uh, Bobby, this year we're just seeing it so much more. Um, and the other one that I was gonna I was gonna allude to was the Asker and Mighty Mouse trade because, like, that's that's a fucking thing we can do. That I didn't know. That that's another one. We're like, we didn't know it was on the menu, right? I didn't <laughs> know that was a thing that they could do. I didn't know that was in the contracts. So I was like, oh, we can just swap these around however we see fit. Um, but I think ultimately, even that leads to the UFC's culture change, right? Like. I don't know four or five years ago if they would just abandon one of their most dominant champions the first time he loses and a split decision that's super close. They don't even think like, oh, this guy who defended the belt more than any other champion in our, you know, our organization's history deserves an immediate rematch. Their first thought was, ooh, 
what can we do with this guy? How do we do this thing that I don't even know we could do? We could trade guys. It's like, who did they trade him for? Ben Askren, who's a guy that is like clogged and poked them for years saying, let me fight your top guys because I'm the baddest motherfucker in the world. And Dana's the whole time was like, nah, 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 that's cool. You can go fight for one FC for your big paycheck and against guys that nobody knows. Then he retires. And then I just wonder how that conversation even started. But I think, I think that all alludes to the culture of the UFC and how, I mean, I think, I think really the bottom line is it's all about dollars for them, which I think is sad and is also just a business thing, right? And that's why when the Fertitas bought the UFC and Dana was running the show, it wasn't really for money, right? Because if this was a business idea, they would have scrapped it five events in when they were just losing money and be like, this is a lost venture, Dana. I'm sorry. You know, we took a risk. We, we heard your plan. We agreed to try it out. This isn't working. This is a money sink for us. We're out. Sorry. But that was a passion project for them. And, and the passion that people can display can get incredible things done. And what they did with the UFC back then was incredible. Ultimately, it kind of ran its course. And Fertitas didn't want to be in the business anymore. They probably, I think, I think honestly, they smelt the changes of win coming with all the union talk, with that kind of being the next big thing. They're like, you know what? Let's just... Let's just bow out here. We did what we did. We made our big money. Dana stayed on. And now we have a new group running it that is all about making their investment back. And that's a business thing. And that's what businesses do. They do what's best for their business. And, you know, as a consumer, you may not like it. You don't have to agree with it. But how you vote and how you let them know is is with your dollar. And I think what Bobby said that, you know, the UFC is kind of taking advantage of a lot of its fans just thinking that. They're going to be there because we're the sport. We have the best names. Um, I, we can we can see it in our little group of people, right? I mean, Stefan on the show and many times has mentioned that UFC and MMA in general just doesn't have the mystique and the uh, uh, the same appeal that it had years ago. It's getting weird and it's not getting fun and it's getting bullshitty and it's drawing him away. And I think it is drawing a lot of the other fans away because there's only so many times you can have these weird fucking things fall through and i think you know and i don't think it's all ufc and their, the brass's fault i think this has been a really turbulent year for them i thought it was a shocking fact when stefan brought it up a couple months ago every event this year every main event or co-main event has fallen out every main event or co-main event has fallen out that is an incredibly difficult thing to do when you're a promoter when all of your big mainstays the guys that you're building the foundation of your uh, well not in the foundation just building up your organization keep falling through and you keep having to shuffle the deck and try to make things work that's really tough to do and they definitely flubbed up here and there but the amount of bad decisions they've made is more than just trying to fill holes it's just doing things for the bottom dollar it's just doing things to get rich now and not worrying about how it ultimately helps or hinders your divisions or your organization or your products. So yeah, I think that is ultimately the biggest deal or the biggest story of the year. Um, but honestly, that Askren Mighty Mouse trade was fucking bananas. And I was that like, was, that oh. might have been the biggest. That might have been the biggest. What the fuck yeah, of exactly. the year? And the other one, the one we're picking, is more of a slowly de- decaying, unraveling thing throughout the month. Like this is getting worse, and they're making worse decisions, and this is getting weird and fucked up, and this guy's testing positive, and he's still fighting. And this guy's throwing dollies and buses, and he's still fighting. And this guy causes a riot, and they're still going to fight each other later. It's just there's a lot of weird things going on this year. This is definitely a tough, probably not great year for the UFC's optics. 
but hopefully we get better things in 2019. Yeah, it's good. The first card has got a woman beater on it as the co-main event, and then a woman who got beaten by her husband on the undercard. Well, off to a good start. Mike, you want to throw some sunshine on this one, buddy? Uh, it's going to be tough. <laughs> Sadly, I I, I can't. Um, I've the, been looking for. I've been looking forward to that rant for at least three weeks. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I I'm going to pick the Askren Mighty Mouse trade as well. And as Mark so eloquently put it, um, that really is, I think, in my opinion, just an extension on the story that you and Stefan picked. That the USC just seems to just not care anymore. That Askren Mighty Mouse trade. It showed me that they don't necessarily care about having the best fighters in the world anymore because they didn't just let the best fighter in the world walk out the door. They pushed them out for Ben Askren. Yep. Well put. Just you can make the case that he is the best fighter in the world. You make the case that he's the best fighter ever. And it's not that hard, to be honest. And Mike, just to be clear, I'd made that confusing. I, I did pick UFC Stop Caring as my thing. Oh, you did? I, yeah, yeah, I was oh. going back and forth, and I was basically saying that the Askren Mighty Mouse trade is a reflection. Dude, honestly, they're all connected. They, they're it, all connected. Really kind of, I mean, actually, when you look at it, they really fucking kind of all. They all are all connected. The only one that's not connected is the UFC, is UFC and ESPN. You, no, you I could think that's easily connected. say that the Askren Mighty Mouse trade could have been one of the reasons as to why the UFC stopped caring. There's that. There's letting John Jones do all that stuff. It's letting the Connor Khabib thing be a circus. Like, that's all connected. It's all connected. I think you even say ESPN is, because ESPN's looking at them as like, well, these guys are just in it for the money. They're going to put on things that are going to make money. Let's get on that. I mean, maybe, and I don't know if that's ESPN, but I think you can, I think they're all connected. Maybe yeah. that, that that thread's a little thin, but yeah, it's just, it's a culture change and there's ripples and we're seeing all these different ripples. But the main the main thing is that there's new management at the head, and they're making some weird choices. Exactly. Um, yeah, that was the award. Our awards, guys. Um, where's no fight card this weekend? Um, I think I hit all of them. Hopefully, we might have to. We might need to give. I mean, maybe we should give out different awards next. Oh, that hell! This took an hour. Never mind. We give out plenty of awards. Um, let's do stuff we like. Um, real quick, I guess give our quick Wrestle Kingdom review. Um, Marcus, you, me, and Stefan watched Wrestle Kingdom 13 on, um, we watched it on Saturday. Yes. This is um, a the New Japan Pro Wrestling's biggest event of the year. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, their WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we watched the whole show. And if I'm going to give you my general impression of it, I liked it way more than a WWE pay per view, but less than an NXT pay per view because NXT pay per views are two hours long. That's my real sweet spot of entertainment, man. Like two hours. Fucking let's go hyperdrive this shit. Yeah, this um, was a five-hour event, and I, I mean, for me, I, I enjoyed watching it a, a good deal. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest pro wrestling fan in the world, um, but I like the stylings, the the type of pro wrestling that New Japan puts on. Um, so I think for me, there was a lot of really fun matches. There's a lot of matches where I I didn't know who any of the wrestlers were, so I was not emotionally invested. So I was just there just to yeah. And I was trying to give you my weak understanding of why they're fighting. Like my storyline and knowledge no, is not yeah, great, I mean, which is which is whatever. Because I don't really think New Japan is like super strong on making like compelling reasons why these guys are wrestling or whatever. But I, I do feel that some of the optics that you also bring with 
you know, you letting us know like, oh, the young bucks are leaving, they're starting their own thing, kind of paints a picture like, okay, well, I kind of know that they're probably not going to win any belts, even though you thought that that maybe maybe they would do that and they'd be a cross promotion. Oh no, so <laughs> they there, all did the jobs. <laughs> there's there's some kind of like back backdoor stuff, backdoor knowledge, you know, I, I was given that kind of painted the, the event differently. But at the end of the day, there was a lot of really fun pro wrestling matches, and you know, I think there's a a good contingent of uh, American pro wrestling fans at like WWE that. You know, I think over the last couple of years are, are becoming more familiar with this organization in Japan because a lot of the stars that went through New Japan are now in WWE, like uh, Nakamura, AJ Styles, Finn Balor. Those guys really kind of cut their teeth at New Japan. And I think a lot of the fan base is uh, learning that and realizing that and kind of thinking like, oh, there might be other talent over there. And I think Kenny Omega and I think Bobby, what I think is burning in the back of your head that I'm not mentioning the Bullet Club thing. I think that's probably obviously the biggest connection that they have but um i think if you were an american fan and you watch this event i think you would go away very happy especially if you're used to the five-hour wwe pay-per-view which i find somewhat dreadful to be honest yeah um if i'm gonna tell you guys what to watch and i'm gonna actually give mike my login if he wants to check this out too um you should check out will osprey and kota abushi though uh I mean, oh, this is all going to be full of, filled with spoilers. Abushi got knocked out. And then while knocked out, they picked him up and hit him with a spinning. What does Osprey call that fucking thing? The spinning pedigree I have thing. No idea. Where I'm like, oh, that's not great. That, that didn't help the CTE right there. Um, Marcus, Zack Sabre Jr. did his Zack Sabre Jr. thing, huh? Slow technical wizardry. Yeah. I honestly <laughs> totally forgot he even wrestled. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what the hell the submission was. I just remember he had Takamichi Noko out there with him. It made me happy. Correct. Um I uh I am in awe of Chris Jericho. I'm gonna give Chris Jericho a lot of props here. Chris Jericho's been doing this since like nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety-three. Chris Jericho was when I started watching wrestling in 96, Chris Jericho was already in WCW. And it's 22 years later, and he's still going. And it's not like he's still like Hulk Hogan doing the same thing from 22 years ago. The man reinvents himself constantly. And sure, he's got a bit of a paunch now, a little bit of a belly, and he's a little bit older, you know. It's, you know, he looks kind of like Bon Jovi out there with his weird kind of, I don't know if it's those hairs, hairs real even, but... He just, he, him and Naito had an incredible match. And Jericho's taking a pile driver on the apron, which ripped out a chunk of his hair. You know, he's, you know, he's yelling shit at the referee. Uh, he fucking, you know, he kept calling Naito a son of a bitch. I really enjoyed that when he calls people a stupid son I of mean, a bitch. I mean, he does that pretty much every match. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. That was, I love Chris Jericho. And it's so cool that he's still able to do this. And he's, you know, dude's in a rock band. He's still wrestling. It's awesome. Marcus, we'll give some props to Kushida's entrance, which what probably the last time anybody's going to see it. Kushida's the time splitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, this was all right. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't blown You didn't away. like the little kid? Oh, wait, no, you're right. That little kid part, because I was mostly just thinking <laughs> yeah. that he had, uh, he just wore in that jacket, and I was like, what? Mike, this guy's gimmick is that he's basically Marty McFly, and by basically, I mean <laughs> he wears the jacket, okay? So the first thing that comes out, Mark, is a guy dressed like Marty McFly, but like a little kid. It's a little right? kid and he's wearing this big helmet mask that is a very accurate looking like model of the guy's head. So it looks like this the the wrestler got shrunk down or ultimately what they were trying to play off is that 
this was him from the from the past coming to the future. Now that you reminded me, Bobby, that was actually spectacular. Yeah, a Japanese Doc Brown came out. They yes. had to put him back in the DeLorean. It was fucking incredible. God, I love Japan so That was actually man. really fun. That was, I was, that I was, was little, something that I was looking for my video game references and didn't quite get it. There's like a slight nod from Kenny Omega. with. I mean, he came out with a one wing because he's like the one wing. Yeah. Angel, which is a I mean, that was a thing. But he didn't dress up as Sephiroth. He was just dude in fucking armor with one wing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But. But yeah, ultimately, uh, I like a lot. And, you know, uh, there's a lot. Yeah, of- I mean, real quick, let's talk about Kenny Omega before we put, let's put this to bed. Yeah. Kenny Omega is incredible. Um, I saw a lot of people rate these. I, I loved the main event. It was a great match. Um, Marcus, my impression of it was that Kenny was carrying this thing the whole time. People seem to think Tanahashi did more than I did, at least. I thought Kenny, Kenny's the best wrestler in the world, man. Kenny's fucking incredible. That was forty minutes of a goddamn masterpiece painted by Kenny Omega. I, I mean, I, I, thought, I, I, I love Kenny Omega. He's incredible. I thought it was a great match. I mean, I thought the other guy put in work too. I remember when we were watching, you're like, "Oh man, Kenny's doing all this stuff." I'm like, oh, he, there, there might have been, you know, maybe if you watch it again, there's a little bit more back and forth than, than maybe you were realizing in the moment. But I mean, yeah, Kenny really is just a phenomenal talent, and obviously, you got to give him props, just props for just what he's able to accomplish in the ring. Uh, but for me personally. Um, the character that he is, which is, I think a lot is just himself, just Kenny Omega as a person, whatever his real name is, I totally forgot. is just an interesting guy to me. Like, even if he wasn't a pro wrestler to be like, Oh, I don't, I, I could totally talk to this guy about video games and anime. And he's super interested in Japanese culture and stuff like that in and of itself just makes him kind of interesting and cool to me. But the fact that he's a pro wrestler and that he names his finishing move after what they call the main bad guy from Final Fantasy VII, and his signature is a move from Street Fighter V. It's just like, yeah, you're just playing to my fucking. It's it's like he's fucking just pandering. Yeah, to Mike, me. are you? Uh, Mike, are you up? To, are you up on who Kenny Omega is and all this shit? He, no. he literally he he calls his knees. He throws V triggers, um, which is from Street Fighter. If yeah, I'm not Street mistaken, Fighter V. Right? That's a new little thing they yeah. added in Street Fighter V. And his finishing move is the one wing angel. Which is from which is what they call uh, Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII. He's just yeah, and then you know he, 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 he is real random shit, huh? He just he's, he's a he's a guy that loves video games, and his entrance he he did come out to. I, I should give it more props because I really kind of threw it under the bus. I mean, he came out in a costume, but he also had the developer that made Undertale, which is a really um kind of cult classic indie game. He made a special video just for Kenny Omega that basically they didn't really show it in the broadcast, which was kind of bullshit. But it was basically kind of this his story leading up to fighting this guy and how he was a bad guy, about how he's trying to, you know, win the belt back or whatever. It was just it was really cool. I mean, obviously, this guy just his interests align with mine. So I'm just instantly, you know, compelled to watch him. Uh, but it also just turns out he's a fantastic performer who um, really knows ho- how to put on a just, you know, fantastic matches. And wherever he goes from here, which is another point that Bobby alluded to, that, you know, his future isn't quite certain where he's going to end up, whether he continues at New Japan, he joins the Young Bucks at this new all-in elite uh, organization, or ultimately goes to WWE, which of those three, I'd probably want him to go to the WWE the least because they'll just kind of neuter him like they do with all their stars and kind of make them really just uninteresting caricatures of what they could be um so i mean i but ultimately i just like this guy and he had a great fight he had a great match at wrestle kingdom and it was a good event so i really enjoyed myself i'm just imagining kenny coming out on monday night raw and then michael cole goes it's v trigger time folks and then i want to kill myself immediately 
Yeah, I, I, I dug Wrestle Kingdom. They got to get a real fucking app, man. That was a joke. But uh, not the easiest for an English speaking yeah. person to, to watch the event, but they, they do have a way. Oh, to and it, so. my guy, Cyrus, one of the commentators, when he was complaining about the referee counting slow, where he said if it was in Canada, that would have been a three count. That was a Japanese two count or something. That was wonderful. And also fucking Minoru Suzuki just going after the, the announced team was hilarious. That was funny. That was that bit. was funny, too. Yeah, that was all I got. Mark, you got anything else before we go um, to Mike? I, I, I do have one thing. Um, video games kind of light in January. Um, this week's like uh, light. The rest of the month's fucking bangers. It's kind of insane. But uh, because it's light this week, I only have one other thing I kind of wanted to uh, put a shout out to. And that is I just started watching. And this is a show that a lot of people have been recommending. I've heard so many people like, oh, this is really quality. You should totally check it out. Um, mostly a lot from uh, my fiance, Christine, and her uh, my soon to be brother-in-law sean they're a big fan of the of the viking show um and i just started watching vikings with christine on hulu and i really enjoy it you know it it kind of feeds a need it's very it's kind of uh game of thronesy but less dragons all the mystical shit shit and more norse mythology kind of stuff laid into it and i've really enjoyed it i've only watched two episodes they're five seasons deep um, what I do like looking into the future is the seasons for the most part are 10 episodes. I think this first season is only nine, except for the fourth season, which apparently is 20 episodes. But I like these. It It's an attainable goal when I see a season that's 10 episodes. Like, okay, I can get through that pretty quickly. Um, and I guess one other thing, you know, while I'm watching that on Hulu, I have to watch their fucking commercials that just drive me up a wall because I'm giving you money. How dare you make me watch commercials too? But um, Isn't a lot of commercials- Vikings on Netflix? Uh, I think it used to be. I checked it today because I was like, I'm just going to watch a show on Netflix. I think they lost it because not on. I didn't. When I looked at my streaming sites to see where is what, um, I didn't see it on Netflix, sadly. Um, but what I do want to give Hulu a shout out because I've been waiting for this show to get season two on Hulu for fucking ever so I can join the conversation. Um, they finally got uh, Atlanta season two up there. Some four episodes deep on that, and I'm really been enjoying this uh, season. What, what was the last? What was the last episode you watched? The last episode was when they went to that weird German dance thing for his girlfriend, which was kind of like so, a weird bottleneck episode. But so you haven't gone to Teddy Perkins yet? No, that, that means nothing to me. I know. Okay. And I wanted to ask you even today at work. I was going to tell you like I started watching like what's that episode that you're always asking like Did you see that one yet? I want to talk about that. That, that Teddy Perkins is the episode of Atlanta season two where. Yeah, the conversations need to be had. Okay. Right, Mike? <laughs> well, I haven't seen it yet. What the fuck? Mike needs to catch up. We need to have a conversation. But no, I've really been enjoying uh, season two of Atlanta as well. So yeah, I mean, there's some good shit on uh, Hulu if you're if you get bored and need something to fill the gap. So yeah, check those out. Mike, do you have uh, do you have anything this week? Uh, yes. Um, few things. Um, the first thing is that um, on a whim... This has to have been about a week ago now, last Saturday. I went and bought a Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and yeah, yeah. I have not been able to put it down since. Um, I thought that the single player mode, because the last time I played Smash Brothers was back for like the N64. So uh, the single player mode in that one was very lacking. Um, I've basically only played the online a few times. I have found the single player mode very fulfilling. Maybe it's because they fill this game just chock full of different characters. So I keep playing because, you know, I want to get all the characters. And there's also so many different different cards on your spirit board that 
you know, you also want to be able to get uh, all of those. I primarily play with Link. So anytime I go to my spirit board and I see that there's a, uh, a Link character on there, I always want to try to get that guy. Um, and besides that, uh, something else I want to say is actually a confirmation on one of the things that Mark liked a few weeks ago. He talked about an anime on Netflix called High Score Girl. And I have to say, uh, Mark, thank you so much for making that recommendation because I thoroughly enjoyed that anime. You're right. It hits you in all of the feels. If, if you were a gamer that frequented arcades back in the 90s, Oh, there are so many things that they touch on in this anime that you're like, oh my God, that is so true. Um, one of the things I know that you probably know about Mark was the well, the, the Guile Jenking oh, that throw they talk about um, in the uh, in the first episode, right. which uh, Bobby Lee? Oh, no. no. Uh, Bob, if you don't know what that is, that was a very cheesy strategy where with Guile, you would hold down and back diagonally and basically just charge up either both a sonic boom and, or if they jumped at you, you hit them with a flash kick. No, this, yeah, you're, you're talking turtling. Turtling is if you're not turtling with Guile, I don't know how the fuck you're. You're, you're, you're talking to you're talking to Guile. Guile was my guy in that game. Yeah, so I wasn't good. Was but even the, I knew that shit. The throw jank was was the stinky cheese because I remember I used to. I mean, all oh, right, yes, someone, yeah, I got my I got my turns yeah, confused. For, for someone that I love Street Fighter, it, it's hardcore with this kid over here. But I fucking suck at it. But I remember as a kid having the strategy guide, and I remember Guile. They, they, they talk about the throw jank and they had oh, these yeah, little yeah. symbols next to the combo and that symbol was a stinky cheese because that was some stinky cheese shit you're doing that's breaking the game but um you know I mean j- j- just to, to add on Mike from what you said you know I've I've watched it the first time I watched it again with Christine who Christine didn't really have the same appeal like the video game stuff was that's the shit I'm there for like that is just speaking purely to the heart uh, and, um I'm assuming Christine really loved the uh the uh, like relation par- relationship parts that they intertwine in it. I mean that that I think that slowly came and, and won her over. And the video game stuff was interesting, but it wasn't because I mean that stuff like they say throw jank, Mike, and it's just like you like oh you know I'm kicking my feet. Be, oh shit, I can't. Play. You know they show Ryu in the beginning of uh, Super Street Fighter Two animation, and I'm just it it hits nostalgia fucking hard as a mother. Um, but to watch it all over again, it's still a good story. Like it's still a fun. Uh, drama thing but i mean for me it's just like the, the the character of like the geeky video game guy it rings true back then it rings true today like there's so many times it's like it's like oh and in august tekken 2 will come out what the fuck do i do every week i talk about video games coming out like this this passion is there's a certain there's a fan base for this stuff and we're rabid about it and yeah. uh, you know there's not a lot of you know there's a lot of video game-esque things in the world and and a lot of products where they try to capture either a, a a single video game where they adapt it to a movie and it fucking fails, or they take video games as aspiration, like in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Um, but there's not a ton of them that do it really well. And I think besides Scott Pilgrim, this this show does it even better, which is kind of encapsulating what it feels like to just be really enthralled in that hobby. And even more so, what it felt like to be a kid growing yeah. up with these games. And it's one of the things that I think it, it follows MMA too, because 
it's really a fascinating thing to kind of get on somewhat of the ground floor. And video games were around way before the 90s, but they really kind of exploded um, in the 90s. And it's just so interesting to be a young kid fascinated with video games or even later on for me, MMA. And to see not only, you know, not only just to love a hobby, but to see it evolve and grow as you grow with it is, is a really fun, interesting, special thing. And uh, yeah, to have this anime that really encapsulates that and really kind of just pulls you into what it must have. And, and, and this is all about a, a kid in, in Japan, which, you know, you know, me and Mike didn't grow up in Japan. But if you liked video games back in the day, you were very cognizant of where they came from and what the scene was over there because it was very. And I think you can draw a lot of parallels from that show being taken in place place in japan and living in the states and being a video game fan there's yeah there's some differences but there's a lot more commonality there and it's just it's a really fun show for, for sure even though we uh we all lived you know eight thousand miles apart from you know those typical kids that were on that show but so many of the things i think resonated um i know for example i know this happened to me at one point when i stopped going to the arcades as much playing uh fighting games there and i just started playing at home and i thought i was getting really good against the computer and then when I went back to try to play against live people in the arcades I remember hand getting my ass handed to me by people I would destroy maybe six months ago um I don't know if you remember that episode when uh Absolutely. when he when he goes and plays uh Street Fighter against the, the girl who was a novice before and you know she 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 beats him but you know besides all the little video game nostalgia things um the thing that really wrapped me into the show um, was really the kind of the relationships in the show that at the end of the day, um, it's it's a drama wrapped around video games. Um, I don't want to spoil certain things for people, but um, maybe halfway through the season, the main character uh, gets a bit of an epiphany and um, I was really entranced by uh how he the the actions he was trying to do um so i will give it a two more thumbs up so along with marks that makes four thumbs up for high score and, girl. and, and there's a good chance when stefan gets the opportunity he'll shower some praise too because i know he was enamored the last thing i just want to say about real quick i know we're going super long um what really makes it stand out and i don't know i guess it's dubbed i didn't even know that i thought it was only subbed I, I have to give a shout out to the translation because when you're dealing with translating an anime, it's really, it can be difficult sometimes to catch the nuance of what they're trying to say in Japanese and then translate that so it makes sense and it still hits the same marks. And I think they did such a great job translating this. And one of the, one of the jokes that landed the hardest for me, I have to thank Mike because this is, I guess maybe this is an East Coast thing. I don't know, but I remember when we were in Japan, and we played Street Fighter together. I remember you told me like, "Oh, you want to catch these? Is it, is it catch these fists?" I never heard the the saying before, and I love it. I think it's such a fun little like joke to catch these fists. It's such a fun way to say like, "Oh, you're gonna fight." I me think you mean catch these hands. Hands? Okay, is it hands? I always, I always. That's that's also, uh, Braun Strowman says that as well. I was gonna say that's Braun Strowman. Oh, is it uh, really? Is he, yeah. yeah. No, Braun Strowman probably stole that from black people. So see what's funny. He like, did. The only way I knew that yeah. was from Mike, but. They use that joke in here. The the mom is telling her son, like, oh, you know, if you would have asked me for a Saturn before you started uh, doing all the studying, you would have catched these hands. But since you're saying, like, when I read that, I was like, oh my God, that's so fucking funny. And you know, when they translated it, it was the 
the joke in Japan just could have been like, oh, if you would have asked me for that, I would have spanked you on the or I would have punished you severely. But the person translating it gets how the character is. She gets that it's a young mom who's very funny and very witty and very kind of with it. So he has to kind of think like, okay, what's kind of a fun way to say I would have like beaten you or something, or you would have been in trouble for this. To to catch these hands was a really funny thing. And it's just one of the many subtle jokes and inside nods that really just creates a bondship with this anime. It was fantastic. All right, guys. Um, about to go. Just real quickly, want to point out that ESPN is going to do a 30 for 30 about Chuck and Tito. Um, which is, uh, that's awesome. That's cool. Quite frankly, that's what I want from this ESPN deal. Shit like It'll that. It'll be a fun, interesting story to see how they end it. <laughs> I mean, they're going to bury Tito, right? This is UFC's partner. They're going to bury Tito like they always do. So are they not going to talk about the third fight that just happened where he won? They'll talk, it'll be 30 seconds. Stop. Okay. And he got that's not really, let's be honest. That's not really about it. That's not really important part of the whole thing. It was honestly over by the time the first fight was over. Sure. <laughs> We're being honest with ourselves. Um, and then real quickly, when you're on Daniel Cormier's Wikipedia page, it says he has a film career. And it says Daniel Cormier made his de- film debut in 2014, playing himself in the 2014 comedy Man Intervention. And I just real quickly want to end this podcast by reading the plot Ooh. synopsis. Okay. Spencer is a heartbroken college student who can't seem to break an endless cycle of crying and masturbation. So his best friend, Coke, decides to put him through a man intervention in order to help him get over his ex. Also in this movie, Rich Franklin as Coach Billings, KJ Noons as himself, and Dwayne Johnson. I don't know if it's that what? one as MMA fighter. <laughs> what? what? So, um, at some point in the next couple of weeks, we got to find man intervention. That's got to happen. So, that's just, yeah, the endless cycle of crying and masturbation. Oh, so relatable. <laughs> well, we're not going to do better than that, folks. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. You can check out our awards on the website because God knows we forgot to post them last year, and I'm just guessing about what we picked then. Um, we should be back next week where we're going to preview the first ever UFC card on ESPN. Nice. The title fight between well, the alleged title fight because TJ Dillashaw looking real skinny already between TJ Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo. Woman beater Greg Hardy is going to be on the uh, in the co-main event. Um, yeah, other stuff. It's a really good card, though, that aside. So, um, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Thank you all for listening. Until that time, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. That was Lavender Gooms, and we're out. See ya. See ya.